heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Alrighty, folks, this is episode number 130 of YWC Talk. I didn't even have to look at my phone for that one. I remember that one perfectly. But this week, it's a special week. It is 28 to 3 week, because if you know, you know, I'm not going to say anything else. I believe the game's playing on NFL Network right now, too, just to add insult to injury. But more joy for us. And by us, I mean our guests, because, guys, obviously this Thursday, it's Thursday Night Football. Patriots are going to Atlanta. I believe they're either in the air right now or they've landed in Atlanta. I saw the photos earlier of them earlier today leaving the airport. And to help get ready for tomorrow night's game and all of week 11, please welcome back to YWC Football Talk, Gabby Hurlbutt of Boston Balling. How are we doing today? Good. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm uh, excited to be on again. You know what? That's, uh, it's Wednesday. It's a little bit of a crappy rainy day here and uh, just excited to come on and talk some football, you know, and especially too with third, I usually record during Thursday night football, but this week I had to make that special exception, you know? Yeah, because we can't record during the Patriots game if we're going to be talking about the Patriots game. Unless you want a lot of explicitives and like other stuff from like me just on an emotional roller coaster the entire time where I'm like paying more attention to the game and someone would be like, hey, that Griff talk now. I'm like, oh, sorry. Oh, too distracting. Exactly. Yeah, we can't be having that happen. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no, for sure. But um, anyway, like just, like I said before, I talked a bit on about Monday. I went on a bit of a good Patriots rant. A good, a good rant, not a bad rant. But for today... Obviously, we're coming off the big win on Sunday, 45-7 to in the game. I don't think any of us really expected that have happened. I was, like, thinking, you know what, close football game, like, hey, maybe, like, a 24-13, to 27-20. I did not think 45-7 to was going to happen, and it did, and that's where we are. Yep, I didn't. I definitely did not think that at all. I thought it was going to be close, like you said, because Cleveland is not a bad team. And so I really didn't think it was going to be a blowout by any means. I thought it was going to be a close game that would come down to the wire and that, you know, it was going to have to be the Patriots playing perfect football the whole time and, and um, like come hopefully coming out with a win. But I thought it would be close for sure. You know what? I feel like we did play per. I, I, I always say we. I know there's a lot of people on that bandwagon of like, oh, you're not supposed to say we. You're not. Oh, on I know. Team. That bothers some people, but not me. Like, if, if, for certain cases, it does. Like, if it's like, but this, like, when, I, when it's me talking to another Patriots fan, I'm going to say we. Yeah, right. It's like, I mean, we are like, as in the team, collectively in the fan base as a whole, I like to think of it as. 100%. I have a photo of Gillette Stadium turf right here that says otherwise. Um, but uh, but no, with Sunday, I feel like we played a perfect game and uh, they didn't. They just didn't adjust. The fact that a guy who I think will be defensive player of the year in Miles Garrett got in that defensive front got three pressures on Mac and I think one sack the entire game speaks volumes to how good this offensive line's coming, how good the team is. But I love focusing on wins because always I keep hearing about it. There was a clip today I saw from the Rich Eisen show where he was just pumping the tires, basically saying, like, look, we're a problem. Like, I also don't like the talk of are we a Super Bowl contender? I do not want to think about that. I'm buying into the, you know, the whole Belichick philosophy where it's like one week at a time. And that's what this is. Because honestly, for, uh, there's a lot of relevancy to 28 to 3, not only because it's the Falcons, not only because it's primetime. But Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be calling the game. And if you remember, they're the ones who called Super Bowl 51. So you know there's going to be a lot of references to that game. 
Of course, there, there, there isn't, there's no way there's not going to be. I just think it's awesome that they're playing the game now to remind everybody of the ultimate choke job that was the Falcons in that Super Bowl. Exactly. Literally, thanks to, I think it was Hats Buzz on Twitter where, um, where they basically tweeted out saying, oh, it's a perfect time to turn it on. And I think he was literally right at like three minutes, like two minutes left in the third quarter, right before they got the touchdown to make it 28 to nine. So it's like, literally, that's all. If you're a Pats fan, just watch the last 17 minutes of the game. That's all you need to watch and you're good. No, really. That's just is the summary of the game for the Patriots. Yep. I literally Nothing remember. Nothing else that. was relevant besides that. No, no, no. And I'll also say this too about that game before we talk about this game is that if you want to know the one play, in my opinion, that I believe is superly criminally underrated into what won in that game, it was the third down strip sack from my favorite Patriot, Dante Hightower. I think that changes the whole complexity of everything. I say it's underrated because I feel like it's talked about, but I don't feel like it's talked about enough. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. It was definitely super underrated and people just kind of forget about it. Exactly. And I already know I'm naming this episode 28 to three or 28 to three week. You know, it's, 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 it's there. And even to the fact that Robert, Robert Kraft, too, did 28, 283 diamonds in that ring. Yeah, I know. I mean, there, there, there's no, I mean, you can't just put Patriots Falcons Thursday night football. That would just be boring. Exactly. Exactly. Like even to, I remember the last time they played in 2017, it was that weird foggy night in New England. Like the fog was horrible. Uh, it was Sunday night football, too. I feel like these two teams are destined to meet. It's always going to be in prime time. Yeah. For sure. I mean, because they're because it just solely because of that game, which is crazy, no matter how bad or how good either of those teams is, I feel like there's too much significance there for it not to be. I mean, if there's been worse games in primetime and there's bad ones coming up too, I feel like Patriots Falcons, no matter how bad either side is, can always be a primetime game. Any, any, any combination of two teams seem like they can play at some point in primetime football. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, Every team has to play primetime games, but there's obviously certain ones that have more significance than others. Oh, 100%. You're, you're, you nailed it on the head. But anyway, just uh, switch, shifting gears, excuse me, for Thursday night's game, what exactly do you think you the Patriots need to do to get a win here? Because I feel like we can win, but there's a small voice in my head saying that this could be a trap game. See, I think the Falcons in general are a trap team this year. I think they're very, very deceiving, and I think their record is deceptive. I think that, um, you know, on paper, their record doesn't really reflect how kind of sneaky good they can actually be. And I think, you know, I think if they stay healthy, I think that they have a genuine chance of kind of being a wild card team in the NFC with how just close the NFC is right now. And even in their own division, they're not that far behind the Bucks and the Saints in their own division. So I think that the Falcons are overall are actually like a better team than people are making them out to be. And I think this is one of those games where, you know, the Patriots don't, they can't just um, go into this game feeling more relaxed because um, some people might try to pencil this in as a Patriots win. Um, which, you know, confidence wise, I like it, but at the same time, this is definitely not one of those games that I'm looking at as like a shoe in like Patriots most definitely should win this game. Like if it was the jets, like this is one of those games where like, you know, Matt Ryan's experienced and like, you know, he's seen this, he's seen the Patriots before and, you know, like in, in, you know, it's primetime games, particularly, you know, the Super Bowl, And I think, um, you know, I think if the Falcons are healthy and stay healthy, I don't think they're that bad of a team. So I do think that, you know, the Patriots need to um, protect Mac really well for one. And I think they need to um, defensively, 
really just um, make sure that they're stopping the run because they've still been struggling with the run defense a little bit this year. Um, I think that's still been a glaring weakness with this team. And I think even teams that don't have a strong run game this year are picking up on that. And I think that that's a big thing that they need to focus on still is being able to stop that run because that's something that has really been a struggle for them. And I do think that that's something that Atlanta could take advantage of um, if the Patriots don't kind of, um, you know, get on top of that before the game tomorrow. No, no, no. I completely understand that. Like a big key for this too is former Patriot Cordell Patterson, if he plays or not, obviously he's having a bit of an ankle issue. Luckily for us, we're running injured right now. So he might not play. Exactly. I think they said they're going to make it a very, it's going to be like a last minute game time decision. Like we should know the inactives usually come out about 90 minutes before kick. I believe that. So around, I'd say in about 24 hours from now, maybe 25 hours, we'll know exactly what's going on. But for us on our good news front, we get Damian Harris and Gunnar Olszewski back, both who are in concussion protocol all week long. They are going to be playing this week. They weren't on the injury report at all. I think it's the first time I've ever referenced it. But I just see this as a sense of a track game because do you remember last year when the Patriots had that weird back-to-back in L.A.? Yeah. Sunday they killed the Chargers, but then they got wiped oh. clean by the Rams on the Thursday night. Yeah, I do remember that, yeah. Like, I'm just kind of like saying this, like as a PSA for most Patriots fans, where it's like, don't go in thinking this is going to be an easy dub because every time we do that, look at Houston. Like yeah. we thought Houston was going to be They barely dub. beat the Texans this year. You yeah. Know? Which when everyone's saying, uh, it was a get, it was a clip from, I think it was get up on ESPN. And they were saying Dak Prescott's the only uh, quarterback to play the Patriots well. And someone was just like, uh, Davis Mills would like a word with you. <laughs> no, it's true though. It's true though, because that literally like they barely grinded out a win in that game and a game that they should have, that should have been a blowout in the Patriots favor. And I think, you know, with like, obviously the Falcons are on shorter rest too, but the shortened rest and, you know, the traveling and being on the road, um, you know, I think it's definitely all things to consider here. And um and uh, just, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into this. And I do, I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any means. Like I actually said this on my podcast. I said, I think this is going to be a close game. Um, and I think um, it's going to be, you know, I think, I think that if the Falcons are, you know, clicking on all their cylinders, I think they're actually a tougher team to beat than they appear to be right now. And I think that, you know, as much as I love what I've been seeing from Mac and the offense lately, I think I still do worry about the defense. And I think that, you know, the defense is still kind of a weakness in my eyes right now with this team. And I think, you know, um, being able to um, give Matt good protection, um, that line, I think would be, would be really good. And also being able to just be aware of like the fact that like, you know, this Falcons team is not a pushover team. Um, And so they still need to play good football. They still need to execute, but I do feel confident in the offense because I do like what I've been seeing from the offense, especially the last few weeks when they've been on this win streak, I think things are really starting to click for this offense. And I mean, obviously Mac was really quick to learn the Patriots playbook, which is really important, but also even like, besides that, I think everybody else around him is really starting to kind of get a grasp of how this offense works and is run, especially with a lot of new players being in this offense. So I do think from that perspective, it's good and that they're clicking. And this is an important game, you know, for both teams, really. But for the, from a Patriots perspective, this is an important game because, you know, they're only a half game behind the Bills in the division right now. Um, they have a couple of games against the Bills coming up. Um, and so, you know, they need to they need to win games like this when they can, because um, those games against the Bills are not going to be easy. Um, 
you know, I like to laugh at the bills for losing to the Jaguars, but um, you know, they're a good team. Like they're not going to have games like that every week. They just had a bad game. And so the Patriots need to win games like tomorrow night um, because going in, going into, you know, going into the next week, seven and four is looks like a lot better situation than six and five. You know what I mean? Like you kind of get more confidence in that. Especially do considering next week we do play the Tennessee Titans, which is going to be a very, very big game considering Tennessee right now. I consider them the best team in the AFC, even without the, the, the scary yeah, thing is that it's without Derrick Henry and Julio Jones. I know that's what I mean, though. Like they still have some injuries, but they're still playing like the best team in the AFC, even without them. Um, and you're right. Yeah. So that's why it's, you know, they have a tough schedule coming up between Tennessee and the Bills. So it's not like this is not anything to, you know, be like a pushover game, like, oh, we can drop a game against the Falcons. I mean, not really, because like, you know, they're six and four, which is pretty good, but they need to just keep winning games and and just keep like playing good football. And I think they've done a really good job of cutting out a lot of the stupid mistakes, like the turnovers and the drop passes, a lot of the sloppy play they're kind of eliminating, which I think is really good. And they look a lot, they've looked a lot better coached and prepared the last few weeks as well. Oh, no, 100%. The only game where there was some sloppiness with the turnovers was the Chargers game when Kendrick Bourne had the uh, bobbled pass, but the bobbled catch. Um, but besides that, Carolina was good. Cleveland was good. I think tomorrow, though, more than anything, if this team can avoid that, if they can play, just go out there, you play perfect football, sure. They they only punted once last week. I didn't realize that. I think it was until either yesterday or Monday morning that I realized the Patriots only punted once in the entire game against Cleveland. Yeah. So I'm not saying you have to go out there and do that. Scoring. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm not saying you have to do that every drive, but I'm here to say, like, just play mistake-free football. Just don't do anything stupid. Call a good game. Like I said before, we're going to have Damian Harris back. I was getting people hitting me up being like, hey, do I ride the Ramondre train even more for fantasy? And I was just like, let's wait and see what happens with Harris. Because I keep telling people Damian Harris is RB1. Um, the only other thing for tomorrow's game, I'm not too concerned about our defense. How, if, if Patterson doesn't play and obviously too, because guys like Calvin Ridley are injured, but at the same time too, you have to be prepared for a guy like Kyle Pitts who can ball very good tight end rookie tight end. Um, but you're right though, because our December, we have two in the bill, like two against the bills. We have the bye week but we also have the week 15 match against the Colts, which the Colts are a team right now. They're in that hunt. They're in the hunt for a wild card spot because I firmly believe the Titans will have what the Titans are going to win the, excuse me, the Tennessee Titans will win the AFC South. So I agree. this is the time of year where you can't take games for granted. There's no easy wins. Um, all I could say it too, after Carolina, I had, um, obviously, you know, you know, Ryan Spagnoli from uh, Pat's pulpit, his podcast co-hosts, the uh, three of them come on here from time to time, but one of them, Pat Lane came on here and I told him, Hey, because we beat Carolina, if we drop Cleveland, it's not as bad as if we hadn't beaten Carolina. I look at this game where I also see a pissed off Atlanta team where look, there's no simple way to put it. They got their asses kicked last week in Dallas. 43 they to three. lost like 45 to three. Exactly. And it was 28 to three at one point and their Twitter account tweeted. We know, we know. So it's yeah. just like that forever burden with them. <clears throat> but at the same time too, I don't think any Patriot, there's probably be Patriot fans who think that we take this game for granted. Like I said before, like Houston. No, there would be. And naturally, it's going to be one of those games where some fans might be like, this should be an easy win. But I really do not think that by any means at all. I think the Falcons are going to be coming in with some anger after last week. Um, you know, they're playing at home, but they also haven't won a game in Atlanta yet th- yet this season either. And I think that's another thing to point out here. Their only game they quote unquote won at home was the London game when they were the home team, but they haven't actually won a game in Atlanta this year. So I think that that's another thing that is important to point out here. 
And I mean, San Francisco too, on Monday night, we thought that the Rams were going to stop them. And then the San Francisco 49ers won their first game, I think in like almost 400 days. And the last time they won at home too was against those same Rams. So it's just one of those things where I like that point. I like the thinking. The only thing I look on here is I see the spread is at seven points. I don't know how much into sports gambling and how much in the spreads you pay attention to. I'm not saying that's like in a bad one. I'm just saying that because like, look, everyone's different when it's gambling. I'm more, I'm trying to get more into it now. I think that seven point spreads a good one. Like I can see the Patriots covering like where it's, you know, where it's a close game for like, say the first, let's say 50 minutes, but then the Patriots get like another touchdown to win by like 10 or win by even 13 or 14. I can see that type of game. I can't see a game where it's going to be like, you know, a 30 point win. I can't see like, for example, 45 to seven again. I just can't see that. I think this is an Atlanta team that's going to come out firing and for a chance to upset a team who's truly on a hot streak because in the world of overreacting, because that's what, you know, football people, people who follow the NFL, people who do that, love to do. Because if the Patriots win this, everyone's going to look at it as rock bottom. If the Patriots lose, it's rock bottom. Patriots win, it's, okay, these guys are for real. They're seven and four. They're just chomping at the bit with the Buffalo Bills. So this game can go either way. But at the end of the day, if the Patriots do lose, Pats Nation, please don't panic. It's just one game. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, the panicking... People just do that. And I feel like Patriots fans especially are kind of a little overreactionary. Um, if they do lose, though, it is going to be unfortunate knowing they have some good teams on the schedule coming up after that. That's why I do feel like this win is important because then you can afford to lose a game like against the Titans. You know what I mean? Because if they go into the week against the Titans 7-4, and four, they can afford to lose that game and still be kind of in a good spot. But if they lose tomorrow and then you're looking at, you know, barely scraping over 500 and then you're going into that Titans game and then they lose that game again, then that changes a lot of things. And that's why I kind of see tomorrow as kind of an important game, because even though it's still like relatively early on, we still have like half the games left to play, whatever. um, I still see it as kind of like a momentum type of game, because if they go into the Titans game, seven and four, this team is going to be elated. You know what I mean? They're going to feel really, really good about themselves. Um, if they don't go in seven and four, then it could just change the mentality of how they go into that game. Um, you know, so that's why I kind of feel like this game tomorrow is first of all, a winnable game um, if they play good football, but the, the Falcons will put pressure and I don't think it's going to be like this blowout, like the Cowboys was against um, them against the Falcons. I think they will put pressure on the Patriots and they're going to force the Patriots to play good football if they want to win the game. You know what? You kind of stole the words out of my mouth because I feel like, and I'm probably going to repeat what you said. I'm just going to say it differently. If they win, it's going to look great. It's going to feel great. But if they lose, I think there's just that added ounce of pressure to where you're right. If they say if they were to win tomorrow night, but they were to lose Tennessee next Sunday, I don't think people are going to look at it as a big deal. But if six and four turns to six and six, that's where I think you're going to see some panic set in because if we're six and if we're six and six at the end of November, that basically means they can only afford to lose one game in the rest of the year. When considering two of those are against the Buffalo Bills, which I really want to win that game in Buffalo because that's on a Monday. That's Monday night football. Imagine going into Buffalo. I mean, I'm realistically predicting that they, they split with Buffalo. I said that I think in order for us to win the division, we have to split with Buffalo. I, I know people were saying at the beginning of the year, this is Buffalo's run away with. And look, for all we know, the Bills could still, they have the Colts this Sunday. They have that game next, next Thursday night on Thanksgiving, um, which I actually have a Thanksgiving question to ask you later on down the road. But um, that Thanksgiving slate, which I will admit, I already had my Thanksgiving up here in Canada. So next Thursday, I took the day off work to watch football. I don't feel any shame in saying that. 
But um, yeah, why would I? Why I would? <laughs> I mean, I was like, I'm like, I could either watch at work and be distracted, or I can like stay home and just use a vacation day to watch it. So I'm doing that. But that Bills Saints game, I'm going to be paying attention to because I have a Bills podcaster that comes on here periodically, and he told me after this is after the Tennessee game, Josh Allen doesn't lose back to back. So I think Patriots fans, look, if we get the Bills coming in hot, so say if they're they're six and three right now, so if they're eight and three, we're seven and five. Let's just say. We want them feeling, I feel like we, like we want the bills to feel confident and we want the bills to feel like we're going to beat them. And then, cause imagine, cause they'll just be shocked then if we can go in there and do that for as much as I would love to beat the bills at home, there's just something extra special about winning in Buffalo because look, you know, it's going to piss off the fan base. Yeah, and who, who doesn't love pissing off Bill's mafia? I mean, really, like I they're going to be so angry. Oh yeah. And, um, Cause also too, I don't know if you see them, but like I post those like reels on Instagram of just like betting videos weekly. I happen to be in, I'm not, I'm not going to the guy. Like obviously I live very close to where the bills play. I'm about an, about an hour 45 from the stadium, but the following weekend. So not the Monday, but that following weekend I'm in Buffalo. So I mean, I'm, I'm just saying I would, maybe I pay a visit down there and just, you know, wear my Jersey at the same time too, just go with some protection. But, uh, <laughs> Well, but at the same time, too, it's like for those crazy people. <laughs> oh yeah, but no. If I know if we were to lose that game going into going into Buffalo, it's like because I'll say this: they wear Bills gear year year round, and that that's their team. And also, do well considering Sabers suck. But um, look, it's it's just it's just fact. It's just that fact. is a fact. But but um, but yeah, that that that's all about it. But no, the moral of the story for this game is: look, just don't be overconfident. Play well. Play mistake-free football because I feel like Atlanta can make mistakes for themselves. Because the Patriots, I think tomorrow, look, they're going to take away what the teams are best at. Look at the past weeks. Herbert played horribly. It was two worst games of his career against New England. Christian McCaffrey was basically a non-factor against the Patriots, and then last week we forced Baker to throw, and Kyle Duggar had an interception. Someone who I'm really liking, even though. My favorite Patriot defenseman right now is Matthew Judon. The guy's just so. Yeah, I love Matthew Judon. Yeah. How 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 do you not? One of the best acquisitions for the Patriots. Oh, I, I still say that. I think I said it when I was on Boston Balling a few weeks ago. Him and Kendrick Bourne, because even too, you see the clips of them all keeping themselves accountable, and everyone knows that there's a bigger purpose to the end of the season. Now, I'm not saying look, the Patriots are going to be in Los Angeles come February. If they are, great. If not, look. If they keep playing like they've been playing the last few weeks, they have a chance. They have a chance. They do have a chance, but I don't want to come on here claiming that now. You know, I want to kind of no, like. Too early. No, one. I will start. I'll, I'll start talking that once we have an probably an X next to our name. Once we have an X, because look, this season's been so wonky, and there's so much parity in the league that the term "any given Sunday" is just not thrown around loosely anymore. It's a legitimate thing. No, it is. It really is because you never really know. Because like. For example, you have teams like the Jaguars who could come out on a Sunday and beat the Bills. You know what I mean? Like, you never really know what's going to happen in those types of situations. Exactly. And even, too, like this Sunday, um, the Titans, who obviously play the Patriots next weekend, they – because this is, like I said before, this is the first time that we have a Sunday where there's no Patriot football. So what are people like Gabby and I going to do? We're going to sit around and watch Red Zone and watch football stress-free. It, it, it kind of sucks because you don't have a game to look forward to, but at the same time, too – you have like that weight. It's like a weight lifted off your shoulders, you know? Yeah, because you can relax and watch the other games and not have to worry about it. 100%. So then with those games, like with, I'm going to say the Titans, maybe they're in a trap game spot against Houston. I doubt it. But at the same time, too, divisional football is just so unpredictable. So I'm saying like, look, the tight, like, remember, the Titans lost to the Jets. So I'm just saying, any given Sunday. No, it is really true. Yeah, and I mean, even the Dolphins beating the Ravens, I didn't really see that coming either. That was another one. 
I have the Dolphins to cover. I'm in a so I'm in a spread pool with my dad, a bunch of his friends, and we each week have to pick the spreads of the games. I took the Dolphins because I was like, you know what? I don't like the points. I thought it was just gonna be. I thought it was gonna be a close game, but then when it was like three nothing and like six nothing, I was just like, okay, this is a really boring football game. Yeah. And then they won, and I, and I wish the touchdown from Robert Hunt had counted. But um, but even still, like if when I look at the schedule for this Sunday, I'll say this right now: the, the primetime game, Steelers Chargers, doesn't really interest me all that much. It's it is what it is, but we have Chiefs and Cowboys in that 425 spot. That's which, gonna be a hell of a game, yeah. That's going to be a hell of a game. If you if you're a betting person out there, take the over. It's at 55 and a half points. I feel like this is just going to be an air show, considering both secondaries are so sus. Like they're just. I'm going to use a term that everyone uses nowadays. They're sus. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Like I feel like they. It's going to be like a shootout. I feel like just just both offenses just battling with putting points on the board. And I feel like it probably is going to be really high scoring. I think, you know, I think it's hard to say who's even going to win that game. I think, you know, the Cowboys look really, really good. Um, but, you know, Kansas city is starting to look better too. They've looked better the last couple of weeks too. So I think that's going to be probably one of the best games of the weekend. I think so too. And um, with that game though, in particular, I feel like if Kansas city can go in there and do what they did to Vegas against Dallas, look, then I'm going to start saying, well, okay, they're back. They're good. But if they go in there and they lay a goose egg against the Dallas Cowboys and it's like, okay, for as much as it pains me to say this, the Dallas Cowboys are this legit force and Kansas city may have been a one week admiration. Yeah. That like Casey, like, okay, they looked good for a couple of weeks, but they're not really back to being legitimate. No problem. No, I don't know. I said no. I almost said no problem for some reason. I guess it's just my niceness in Canadiana coming out in me. Um, but I just want to take a quick second just to quickly shout out a sponsor of mine, uh, sideline.shop uh, on Instagram at sideline.shop. They do have a new website. I don't remember off the top of my head what the website is, so I will put all the links in the bio down below. But like I said, guys, for all your jersey needs, go to sideline shop on Instagram and the new website too to get all your jerseys. Sorry about that. I said take a couple of seconds out to, you know, we got to pay the bills here at YWC Football Talk. Um, I just want to go off football for a second because I want to ask you the Thanksgiving question because I've been seeing this on Twitter a lot. And I find, as a Canadian, I find this weird that some people do this. Is mac and cheese a side dish on your Thanksgiving plate or is that a Southern thing? No, it's not. It's it, uh, it's really just like the typical stuff, just like turkey, uh, mashed potatoes, stuffing, um, you know, usually like a fruit salad or like something like that, but not, not mac and cheese. Definitely not. Okay, because I was I, I I see this on Twitter and like people were saying like is mac and cheese a, is is mac and cheese like a side dish for Thanksgiving and I'm like no it's not like my plate is simple I have I I'm a I'm a leg guy like I love a good turkey leg with stuffing with mashed potatoes maybe some like corn or mushrooms or whatever else is on there and then lather the thing in gravy that's literally mine so like whenever as a Canadian when I see Matt, when I see like all this like weird stuff like green bean casseroles and like macaroni and cheese, I'm like, okay, that might be a southern thing. I'm just not used to it. But I feel like mac and che- I'm glad to see that it's maybe just certain Americans that do that, and that's not like a all over America kind of thing, you know? No, it's definitely not. Like it, that is not common at all. It's like weird to me. Mac and cheese is not meant to be at Thanksgiving dinner. You know what? You know what? I'm I'm completely on board with that. And then for pie, you know. Um, whether it be my personal favorite is cherry. I actually tried pumpkin for the first time this year and it wasn't too, too bad. It just tasted like, tasted like cinnamon more than anything. That's interesting, actually. What, that I've never had pumpkin pie or that I like cherry pie? No, like that it, that it just really just tasted like cinnamon. I think it was just the spices and stuff like that. Like, oh, I didn't... okay, okay. Then that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it probably was just what it was like topped with or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I don't exactly. like pie. Yeah. 
And then uh, since we're here and we like to have uh, flying along the Christmas topic, I got uh, well Thanksgiving because obviously with American Thanksgiving it's different. I kind of do the similar thing with Christmas because obviously I know you guys use uh, Thanksgiving as like a kickoff of Christmas. But are you a person that does starts to like listen to music and put up your stuff before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? After I have like that, per- I love Christmas. Like it's the best time of the year. But I have that personal rule that like. I don't, I need to give Thanksgiving the appreciation it deserves. So I don't want to like overshadow that with Christmas, but I'm like the, literally the day after Thanksgiving, I'll start. So not next week, but the week after on your next episode of Boston Balling, should I expect to see like maybe a wreath or some lights on that nice little probably. banner you got behind you? To be honest, probably. Yeah. You know what? You know what? I, I like to hear it. I like to hear it a lot. Um, you know, when you say though, too, like when we're halfway there with the football season, obviously like it's kind of sucks to see but at the same time, because I remember this too, the first time we talked was last year, right after the day after the Super Bowl. I remember you and I came on here, we talked about the Super Bowl. Yeah. But then now, look, we're right in the thick of things for the regular season. And this can literally go any sort of way for the Patriots in a year where I kind of said this team could win 10 or 11 if they got lucky. I was thinking more like maybe eight or nine, like realistically. But if we win tomorrow night, we already match our win total for all of 2020. And they look like they're having fun doing it too. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. And I, I predicted 11 and six when, before the season started, I said, I think they're going to be an 11 and six team that gets a wild card spot. I always said wild card, but I'm pretty sure I had 10 and seven. There was a, cause there was a couple of games that I thought we were going to lose that we did win, which was, uh, I thought, I thought with Cleveland, like I had chalked that up as a loss. Cause I had, I had oh, really high hopes for the Browns. I thought they were going to lose. I had th- that. And then what was the other one? Um, the, and then the saints is the only game where I thought we were going to win that we lost the saints and the dolphins game. Cause I'll say this with the Pats. The Dolphins. The the Dolphins' loss is more annoying than Dallas or Tampa. I know this conversation may sound recycled from what you and I had a couple weeks ago. Those are good teams, but like the Dolphins, like are not a good team, and that was a very, very winnable game. And like, imagine how different things would be right now if they had won that game. We'd be seven and three as opposed to six and four. And that makes a difference right now. Exactly, and now too. I know after our, like we were talking about December earlier to go back to football, but we have, then we have Jacksonville, but then we have week 18 in Miami, which honestly, my one buddy is a Dolphins fan and he keeps saying it like, oh, the Patriots could be up for a wild card spot and that could be the game that gets them in or gets them out. And I'm like, please don't put that on me. We don't need a repeat of what happened two years ago again for the love of God. And I know, and you know that Dolphins fans would be ecstatic if that happened, but. Exactly. Because their season, I, I think they have a weird chance to sneak in still because they still have to play the Jets twice. They still have to play that. I think their next few was like the Jets, the Panthers, the Giants, the Jets again. So they have a stretch coming up where they have some games that are very winnable, but they're Miami is really their own worst enemy. And at the same time too, you have the New York Jets, which did you see any of the Robert Sala Rex Ryan stuff? No, I didn't. So basically Rex Ryan was basically just barking about Sala saying all this stuff like, oh, you know how, like, stop comparing him to me. Like, we weren't the same head coach, yada, yada, yada. He's only won two games. He's a defensive coordinator. He's a defensive guru. I'll do that in air quotes for those of you watching on YouTube. Because, look, we don't know much about Salah. He, the last year when he played the AFC East, I remember the Bills. I was, There was a Monday night game last year. It was Bills-Niners. I thought it was going to be a close game. And then the Bills spanked him. And Robert Salah had this dumb expression on his, on his face. And now the Jets sit here at two and two and seven. So I feel like it is a marathon for them, not a sprint. But at the same time, too, 
And then Robert Sala basically clapped back to saying like, yeah, well, we've never met. I don't know why he's saying this, yada, yada, yada. And like all this other stuff. But that's the gist of it where basically Rex Ryan thought people were comparing him to Robert Sala. And to I'm also glad I'm not a fan of a team in a market where every game, if you lose, the sky is falling down. Also, too, I'm very glad that we don't go around flexing six rings to everyone. Like a certain fan base likes to go, 27 rings, bro. What's up? Yeah, I know, right? Or like Cowboys fans that like and and just um bringing up like their past. And it's like, well, you guys haven't won a championship since the early 90s. So I don't know why you're like, you think you have any room to talk about anything. I was also, I think, two years old the last time they were in an NFC championship game. I'm tw- I'm gonna be 28 in about a just oh just over just over a month just over a month from now i'll be 28 oh nice happy early birthday thank you and i'm also too if i'm sorry if i'm scrolling down but with the talk when the yankees came up it just reminded me that the cy young's come out today so i uh, baseball i got my fingers crossed for robbie ray winning it so i hope so too he deserves it yeah and then tomorrow it's obviously mvp and there's not a hope in hell that any jay is winning it even though we have two of the three nominations (laughs) we'll see i mean i think it's i mean yeah, that's going to be an interesting race, too. That could really go a few different directions also. It could. It depends what the writers go with. But obviously, like, look, we're going on different rich talk baseball here. Uh, I'll say this right now. I think Ray gets a Cy Young. But I think I, what I'm saying is I know we have Simeon and Guerrero nominated for MVP, but it's kind of hard to go against Otani. Yeah, I still think Shohei Otani wins it. But yeah. the guy does it all. So how could you not? Exactly. Exactly. And also I was shocked Simeon got nominated too. I had Salvador Perez as my third guy on the ballot because he had a really underrated year. Really, really good year. And I feel like not enough people were talking about it. That's why I use the word underrated. He he got it. Nobody was talking about it. He got it. Oh, really? Ray got it. I just saw the tweet from the J Twitter right now. Robbie Ray gets the fourth Cy Young in franchise history. Wow. That's crazy. Oh yeah. I just got a notification. Yeah. Good for him. He deserved it. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I see all this stuff right there. Let's, yes, we're talking baseball on a football pod, but you know what? I know Gabby's right? a big baseball fan. Yeah. Oh, because that's the thing about – oh, he got 29 of 30 first-place votes. He's so good, though. Oh, yeah. I went to a game earlier this year where we were playing Baltimore, and then I actually got seats to work. I was in, like, club seats in the second deck. But – um yeah, because I only went to two games this year. One, we killed the Boston Red Sox on a Friday night. Don't, don't want to talk about it. And then the second one was, uh, I went because it was Boston. I'm like, you know what? It's Toronto, Boston will be a good one. And then we ended up winning like 12. We had, like, you guys had a really bad, I think, fourth or fifth inning. And then yeah, another, it was one of those games, probably. Yeah. And then uh, the next game I went to was against Baltimore and they pitched a gem. I think he had like, he broke a strikeout record in that game. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But all in all said for this weekend for football, just as we, do a full circle back to there. Cause I feel like we're at the point now where look, we'll maybe wrap this up in a bit. We'll see you there. Um, the only other thing we're going to say about this weekend for football. And like, I don't have much else to say about the Patriots. Cause I can go on all day about them, but I'll say this right now. It's a bet that I really like. I can guarantee. I think there's an outsider's chance that the giants could upset the Buccaneers. I mean, they just lost against Washington last weekend. So I wouldn't be super shocked. Same here. The Giants, the Giants actually play the Bucks tough too. They played them tough last year. Oh, and also too, I see. Oh, that's you retweeting that. Never mind. I was going to say the Verlander stuff. Um, oh yeah. Well, disappointed there. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to win. I just feel like they can cover the spread of 11 and a half points because last year it was the same thing too. And I said this. I was like, Giants are going. They may not win the game, but they're going to cover. And they covered. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants are one of those teams that, like, on any given week could come out and actually be super dominant, but that's the problem is they're too inconsistent, and I still don't think Daniel Jones is the guy um, for them. But I do think, you know, they play the Bucs tough, and, and the Bucs are coming – they're coming off of a loss against Washington, which is bad too. So you never really know what's going to happen. I, I don't – you know, I mean, obviously the Bucs are probably still going to win their division, but I don't feel as confident in them going back to the Super Bowl right now as I did at this time last year. But I do think, you know, down the stretch, it's really hard to bet against Brady, and you never really know what's going to happen with them. So I'm still obviously not ruling it out. But I still think they definitely win their division. I'm going to say this to you, and we know this all too well, but we've seen this book. We've seen this chapter of this book before. Oh, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. We've seen this way too many times <laughs> to know. It's like Mahomes. When I, that's, I've said this to Mahomes, too. I'm like, look, he's struggling. But for all you know, we could snap his fingers, and then boom, he's in the AFC Championship game, and Brady's in the NFC Championship game. Literally. Um, because I still have that sick dream of mine that in February in Los Angeles, it's Bill against Tom in the Super Bowl. Because, you know, if that were to happen, like, that would – like, I think that would be the highest rated Super Bowl of all time. Part of me does not want to see that happen just because I know the media coverage for two weeks would drive me fucking insane. Um, but yeah, that's all I'm going to say with Tom. I'm just saying, look, there's an outsider's chance of it happening because the Giants are very unpredictable. I actually had a Giants fan on that. I don't know if you, uh, he was, because I remember when I was on Boston Ball and he messaged me saying that I think he went to a Halloween party or uh, either you hosted or you were at a couple years ago. His name's Jared. I don't know if you remember if that name rings a bell. He said he oh, knew yeah, you. Yeah, I do know him. Yeah, yeah. No, I and, do know him. He did go to my Halloween party. Yeah. Yeah, because he was on here Monday. Him and I were on here Monday night. He's a friend of mine from like the wrestling world and stuff like that. And he's a big Giants fan. We were talking about Daniel Jones and dissecting, like, kind of, he went on his tangent about what was wrong with the team and everything. So shout out Jared. But I, yeah. I came up in that conversation. Because uh, well, what happened when you came up in the conversation? Because when you, when I went on your show, for the folks who haven't chimed in by now, just look at the banner behind Gabby. She's also hosts a podcast every Tuesday on Facebook, even though we recorded on a Thursday. Um, and he messaged me saying that, oh, small world, that I knew, knew her and I went to a Halloween party of hers, Jared Silverclight. So I just wanted to bring that up. Um, the next yeah, thing I want... Oh, go ahead. I was curious how I came up in conversation. Did he see that you were on my show? Yes, he did. Okay, makes sense. He was like, oh, you know Gabby too? Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows me. <laughs> um, exactly. You're a popular girl. Um, the next question I had for you just before we wrapped up here, it's just the college football. And now I know obviously your college football team, not exactly top dogs in the country. I don't like to think about them. But I just want to ask you more about the hiring of Jim Mora and what you thought about that. Because no, Mora is a good coach. I actually, yeah, I actually like it. I do. I think that that's going to be a good fresh start for them. I mean, he's technically not taking over head coaching duties and um, for a couple of weeks when their season is actually over. Um, but I do think that's actually going to be a good situation for them. I think, you know, it just got to be too much. I think they just needed a change and, you know, obviously it wasn't working with Edsel. So then like, you know, they, they've just been going through some changes and I think I'm excited for that fresh start. Cause I'm hoping that that can be a step in the right direction towards revamping the program. And I think, you know, UConn's always been a basketball school as it is. Um, oh, yeah. That's just always how it's been. Um, and, you know, growing up right next to UConn, like not right next to, but like 10 minutes away, like, you know what I mean? But like yeah, um, I got you. Up over there, like, and seeing how bad the football team was, but then like them almost making up for it in basketball, like it didn't feel as bad, but it almost is just frustrating just knowing that like a school like UConn can afford to put more into the football program and they're just not. So I feel like that move actually shows that they're trying to really move that program in the right direction. And I'm hoping that that's that first step of like, okay, yeah, like 
you know, we want to make some changes here and I'm hoping he can maybe make some changes to, you know, whether the recruitment process or just like some sort of changes that can help attract other players to want to play at UConn so that like they can, you know, start to kind of get better and um, be like taken more seriously. Exactly. Like you're not asking for him to come in and make you guys a powerhouse in college football. You just want a sense of hope that for when you go to a game, it's not going to be okay. So how much are we going to lose by this week? It's a sense of, Hey, you know what? Maybe we can, because I'm trying to think of. Is, like has has UConn won a game this year? I'm not. I'm not. I'm, yeah. As I'm saying, so now instead of saying, "Hey, maybe next year," instead of winning one game, win four or five. You know, yeah, like be a little bit more competitive and not have it be these blowouts every time where you know, like, oh, they're going to lose by at least twenty, but how much is it going to be? And I feel like that's definitely a step in the right direction. When I found out they were hiring him, I said, yeah, I actually really like this move. I think this could be really good for the program, and it could really be his chance to kind of revamp a program that's kind of been in shambles for a while. Exactly, and even to back to your point with UConn and basketball, obviously that's about basketball dominant school championships with the ladies. And obviously, if I had to put more some onus on it now, I know with the men, we'll see what happens because I know UConn's men's program is kind of not, they're not awful right now, but from what I've seen, it's more like they're kind of middle of the pack, but it's more the women that I always expect every year to be yeah, in the, the final four. Yeah. yeah. The women are, are real. That's why it was so exciting growing up around UConn basketball because of all the success that occurred in that yeah. time. Including a uh, shout out fellow Canadian, uh, Kia Nurse, who was on the UConn women's team for a little bit there. Yep. Yeah. Legend. Like I miss some of those, like back in the day, those UConn teams, even with the men, like they had some championships in there too, that like, you know, classic UConn guys that like. Cardiac Kemba. Yeah, exactly. I love Kemba. Well, yeah. Uh, I only say that because of that game against, I think it was Syracuse at MSG. I want to say 10 years ago, the one where it was like, he had the shot to win the game. I think it was like double or triple overtime. Well, that's when that cool Cardiac Kemba thing came into play. Oh, so now, so I feel like that's where the nickname came from. I was, I didn't realize it was a college thing. I thought it was like an NBA thing. Nickname kind of became Cardiac Kemba. Oh, I understand. I understand. Well, you know what? It's like I like to say, I learned something new every day. Yeah, right. It's true. Exactly. Oh, well, anyway, I think that's, I think that's going to do it for today. But before we go, I know obviously we talked about your podcast a bit, but if those of you out there who may not know Gabby, obviously there's a lot, like, you know, a lot of people, but maybe there's a small population that don't. Where exactly on social media can people find you? And uh, where is your podcast available? As I know, you uh, recently surpassed a good milestone in Argentina. Yeah, sure. So Boston Balling is um, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, whatever you listen to podcasts on, you can find it there. I also live stream the show um, every Tuesday on Facebook. Um, When I drop a new episode, I'll live stream it there. There's also a Twitter and Instagram account for the show as well. I bring a guest on it every week. We have some fun. We talk Boston sports, um, kind of talk about what's going on. And um, yeah, so you can find it pretty much on any of those platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, I would appreciate the support. You know what? It's like we always like to say, if you scratch my back, I scratch your back. So that's why like, I've been on your show. You've been on here a few times now. Uh, your first appearance here since episode 100. Even though I know we didn't physically talk, I still count it as an appearance for everyone on there. So this is your fourth official appearance. I, I always remember this. So episode 100, obviously. After the Super Bowl, the DAC contract. Yep, I remember now, talking about that too. Here we are. As I just got some news that uh, Chase Winovich has been activated off the IR. And unfortunately, Josh Uche is going to the IR. So it's like a a swap of sorts. It's kind of bad because Josh Uche has been having kind of a okay second year, but 
to get Chase Winovich back for tomorrow night's big. And hopefully tomorrow we see some Ronnie Perkins you know, finally getting in the lineup. Yeah, that would be huge, I think, too. Um, and because I want to see him get some minutes and get him some playing time. Exactly, because guys like Cameron McGrone are basically redshirting this year because he obviously had the really bad injury, I think, in about a year ago. So we'll see him in 2022. But we've seen a lot from the rookies this year, like Mac Jones or Madre Stevenson, who after yesterday's video of David Andrews playing and screaming out Mondre, I think I'm going to call Mondre. And my personal favorite, even though Mac is my favorite, Christian Barmore. Yeah, I love Christian Barmore. Yeah, th- th- that this is proving to have been such a successful draft for the Patriots. After Bell was criticized heavily throughout the years for having such horrible drafted classes, is the fact that he had such that not that he's in such a good draft class, but the fact that everyone's performing well. And if you had to ask me right now, offensive rookie of the year, baby, number ten. I know. Former child like, model. I like that, especially if they go to the playoffs. I think it might be a lot. Is this crazy to think that if Bill Belichick gets his team to the playoffs, he could be up for coach of the year? I know he's done so no, much. I don't but like, think that is because I actually had that exact conversation the other day with somebody. I think that that actually is definitely in the realm of possibility if they go to the playoffs, even if they don't, even if they don't win or they don't make a deep run, I still think it's, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Cause I was saying that too, it's either him or Sean Payton. If either guy can get those squads that no one really expected to do much this year into the playoffs, it speaks volumes because there's no real first year coach. that's making a lot of like sizzle, you know, like how it's usually like how coach of the year is usually like that. It's usually a first year guy who, comes up out of nowhere. The only other candidate I could see is Cliff Kingsbury because look, the Arizona Cardinals have truly turned their ship around. Yeah. But they haven't no, looked. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all. I think it actually is definitely something that could happen if they go to the playoffs. No, no, no. hundred percent. It's just something, it's just something I wanted to bring up. Like obviously today people were saying Mac for MVP, which I'm like, I know nah, I pump the brakes on that one just a smidge, but I think <laughs> offensive, I think offensive rookie he's got in the bag unless someone um, come up unless Jamar Chase continues just to ball out the way he does. I can feel like there's some competition up there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, he's been performing better than all the other rookie quarterbacks. So it's not close. And just discovered this week too, child model when he was a kid. Yeah. I saw pictures of that. I'm like, I don't think I want to see this again, but I I saw that. I'm like, that's my quarterback. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pardon me. No, that was funny though. No, it was, it was, I, I tried my best, but, um, but anyway, folks, that's going to do it here for episode number 130 of YWC Football Talk. I'm going to be, I'm going to try to get to 150 by the end of the year, guys. I hope so. But anyway, guys, thanks once again to Gabby Hurlbutt from Boston Ballin for coming back on, guys. Enjoy week 11. We're on to the Atlanta Falcons. And remember, never forget 28 to 3 if you are a fan of the New England Patriots. Enjoy, everyone. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have faults. He had the same amount of faults as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.